to all you lovely listeners. Welcome to the Clustercast, a filterless podcast on family travel. I am your co-host, Anna Lyons. And I am, of course, Scott Lyons, and this is our Disneyland episode. The Big D. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about how we survive the happiest place on Earth. Which sounds like an oxymoron, surviving happiness. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, And it, it kind of is. It, it has really changed from 15 years ago, though. Yeah. I mean, back in the day at Disneyland, you just showed up, bought a ticket, and you were pretty much guaranteed a happy day. Yep. And now there's a lot more planning and strategy involved. Which is a shame, considering that ticket prices have gone up. Quite a ways up. And one would assume, though, that if you are paying more, the level of effort on a customer's part for a good time shouldn't (laughs) go up as well. One would assume this, and one would be correct to assume this. Which is why our first ever trip to Disneyland with the kids was a complete and total disaster. Almost disaster. Like 88% disaster. And for a $600 day, we should be looking at a 99% good day. (laughs) So 88%? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How'd you get to that number? Can you show your work on that? I'm a writer, not a mathematician. It's poetic. It's poetic license. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm just, like, well, just keep, just why, why not 87? Shh, All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's. Don't let's, be that guy. Let's set the stage so listeners can understand why this day went so horribly wrong so we don't look like brats who just hate crowds. Well, I'm a brat who hates crowds, <laughs> let's be honest. And and this is very true. That We grew up um, in kind of the Disney golden years of The Little Mermaid and Aladdin. Yep. And the era of Super Bowl champions saying they were going to Disneyland upon winning the big game when a reporter would ask them that question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do next? What are you going to do? I'm going to Disneyland. (laughs) And I remember begging my parents to take me to a Disney park. World, land, I didn't care. I just wanted to go to one. And I grew up in Southern California, so visits to Disneyland were pretty commonplace. Wasn't your grad night there? Oh, yes. And yeah, that was epic. A few high schools rented out the entire park, and we had the run of the place. I remember Mm. going on Indiana Jones over and over and over again. Everything was walk-on. Man, the perks of being a SoCal kid, Mm -hmm. I see. Wow. Well, we got our one Disney World experience in 1995, and it was great. I mean, Mm -hmm. we even went during Christmas when everything was all decked out for the holidays, and it was magnificent. I mean, like, it was a whole surprise. My parents, you know, told us forever, no, we'll never take you. And then they woke us up one morning, and they're like, hey, you're going. It was great. It was totally, like, out of a, you know, movie. It was perfect. Right. It was magical. It was so magical. It really was. But do you remember there being tons of people? No. I mean, we waited for like the big rides like Space and Splash Mountain. But when you look at the photos of that day, there were plenty of open plazas and areas to walk around. Not like it is today. You're lucky if you can get three square feet to yourself or take a full stride when you're walking. And and also when we went to Disney World, that was during peak season. So, I mean, apparently people come from all over to see the decorations. Um and I would say the crowd levels we experienced in 1995 would be considered a ghost town by 2019 standards. Right. And even when we were dating and newlywed, we would spontaneously go to Disneyland and we always had a great time. Yeah. I mean, there weren't really any crowds to contend with. I mean, there were people, but it wasn't enough to ruin your fun. Mm-hmm. 
but nowadays it is ruin your fun kind of crowds. Apocalyptic crowds, like alarming crowds, like how on earth could this park be evacuated in the event of a disaster kind of crowds. Oh yeah, Disney definitely packs them in more than they used to. I think it's bordering on a health hazard. I mean, Legionnaire's disease, hello. Yep, so would you rather go to Six Flags? Ew, David, no, gross. (laughs) Six Flags is the scaggy Appalachian fourth cousin of Disneyland. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, I meant Legionnaire's disease, not smallpox. Wait, you, you got smallpox at Six Flags? No, but if there were any <laughs> if there were any remnants of smallpox, it lives on the handrails at Six Flags. Okay, we are pooping pretty hard on Disneyland right now. Yeah, I mean, we actually like Disneyland. It has just been discouraging this change in gears that we have had to make since Disney has been opening up the floodgates when it comes to ticket sales and letting any Tom, Dick, or Harry have a season's pass. Right, and we know this because we were Southern California residents that enjoyed that resident season pass break, and that was sweet. Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable how cheap those passes were for Southern California residents. Uh, But anyway, we don't live there anymore now, so we pay the usual peasant rate of $200 per person for a park hopper, um, which is why I get so cantankerous about Disney not feeling like they owe us a nice (laughs) experience in exchange. Especially when compared... Um, with what our previous experiences have been, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So about four years ago, we knew we were moving to the Pacific Northwest and that we would be losing our six-hour drive to Anaheim. Our, we don't have to make this a vacation, but rather a weekend getaway window of opportunity was closing. Yeah, we saw that Disneyland would become the next Europe in mm-hmm. terms of planning and cost if we didn't jump on this before we moved. Yep. So up until this point, the kids had never been. Charlie was six. Oliver was three. It had been over 10 years since we had been there. Yeah. You and I. Yeah. And I mean, we had no reason to think anything had changed. I mean, it was Disneyland. The crowds and rides had pretty much stayed the same from the time we went, like from 1995 all the way up until 2005. It all remained pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And when we went, we went in October during the Halloween time festivities. Yeah. And I had just had my six month post-op anniversary, and I was told (laughs) that I could resume all normal activities. Yep. And we learned that just because you could resume all activity uh, doesn't mean you necessarily should. Or should without a handicap pass. Right. Or assume that walking 12 miles at Disneyland qualified as, quote unquote, a normal activity. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. This is true. (laughs) So our plan was just to do a one day park hopper pass with the kids. We didn't have a ton of expectations for how the day would go. I think we just assumed the usual rides of Small World and teacups with lunch at Pizza Port would be our day. Yeah, a great day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the drive out was super smooth and uneventful. It meant it was only six hours across the Mojave Desert. So it was just smooth, ugly, boring sailing. <laughs> and we got a hotel that was within walking distance of the park entrance. So, yeah. And I feel like staying at the Disney sanctioned hotels is like flying first class. Like the idea sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the price tag and you go. I could save $5,000 if I was willing to walk an extra half mile. Mile. I mean, like, do you really want to just walk out of the hotel and into the park? I mean, is it really worth $5,000 for Mickey shaped soap? Yeah. Save some money and get your steps in. Exactly. So the following morning, we head to the park pretty early, like a half hour before opening bell. And I was alarmed, alarmed to see how many people were there. Just people like not diehards or, you know, parents of, you know, two year olds who got up at the crack of dawn. No, I mean, it was all shapes, all sizes, lifestyles, seasons of life, 
all just doing that like brisk walk to the park entrance. Yeah. So you know there's a difference between the Disneyland entrance walk and speed walking, right? There is. It's a very distinct. Well, there's a little more swagger because you've got these sequin ears yeah. that you, the commemorative ears that they get and wear them with pride as You're they walk. You're actually trying to get somewhere. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> Anyways, when we saw all of that, we really hoped it was not a preview of what the day was going to be like. It wasn't. It was worse. So much worse. The sheer volume of people was so alarming. Right. And I just tried to brush it off and try to have fun. You definitely had a better attitude about it. Right. I mean, well, you know, we are there, right? It isn't like we're going to go get a refund of our tickets. Yeah. So that's make the true. best of it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know what else to do except to try and implement our standard Disney routine of go around to your favorite rides and get your fast pass. Right. And- except that day, all the fast pass stations were sold out, like done, shut down. No more fast passes to issue out to people. Yeah, no, like just that's it. They they had we, put the little covers on them. Like no, yep. it's never gonna come back alive. Like it is dead. Yeah, all the time frames to come back for fast passes had been filled up throughout the end of the day, and we were pretty hosed at this point, and it just felt like damage control. So I settled in for waiting in a three-hour line at Radiator Springs Racers with Charlie. And and let's also say that we had only, I mean, it wasn't even noon yet. We yeah. hadn't, it's not like, I mean, we got there when the park opened and, you know, it was just like, oh my goodness, there's all these people and now the fast passes are sold out. Like, what what do we do? Is this going to settle down? Is it going to get worse? And we did a few of the minor rides before hoping that things would mm-hmm. settle down and it didn't settle down. So it's probably a good idea to mention, don't go on the moving gondola lane at the Mickey's Ferris wheel in California. Adventure. Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> Up until that point, it had been one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Um, so the line was shorter if you wanted to go. So like for the Ferris wheel, they have two lines, one for the swinging gondola. And then there is just your standard one. And so we went on the swinging gondola one because, you know, my knee was on fire at this point, And I'm thinking it's Disney. How bad can it be? This line is right. really short. Sure. There's three hour wait times everywhere else let's go here but it was bad it was really bad bad. it was really bad i remember i was somehow starfished in that cage hoping that if i like (laughs) pressed my feet hard enough to the opposite side it would stop swinging so for those of you who don't know (laughs) (laughs) there's a big ferris wheel in disney california adventure which you know the park adjacent to magic kingdom People typically get a park hopper ticket that allows you unlimited entry between the two parks. And that is that is worth getting. That is a lot of fun to go between the two parks. Right, exactly. They offer a great experience at both places. So this gigantic, gigantic Ferris wheel that overlooks this replicated Santa Monica Pier and waterfront has two different options when it comes to which type of gondola you want to ride in. There is just the standard one like you get at any fair that just takes you around with a little pivot point. Like a nice sensible pivot. Yeah, so that the gondola stays straight up and down as the wheel goes around. Mm-hmm. And then there's the... Mickey's Wheel of Death. <laughs> which are gondolas on the same Ferris wheel that swing on their own track. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have little roller coaster tracks on them too as the wheel goes around. And these particular tracks have quite a wide swinging range. It's like its own little mini roller coaster. But it wasn't that bad. 
Uh-huh. Maybe for you. <laughs> I remember staring at the tracks and seeing where the paint had worn off from the wheels, like scraping up against it. And I would just freak out if it just went a hair over that line. I have never felt so out of control in my life. I thought <laughs> I might die at Disneyland. So the question that we all want to know is, was it worth it for the shorter line? No, no, <laughs> I will never do it again. <laughs> you don't say that about many things. I will sure. never do that ride again. <laughs> it is the turducken of amusement park rides, a roller wow. coaster inside a Ferris wheel. And it doesn't taste nearly as good as you think it will. Barf. <laughs> no. All right. All right. We got way off track here. So where were we again? We were... Talking about the crazy crowds and we did Mickey's turducken wheel because there wasn't a long line. Right. So after so, that, yeah. okay, so after that, we just settled in for a miserable day of fighting crowds and standing in three hour lines. And we just accepted it. This is this is where we were at. And it was incredibly frustrating to spend all this time and money just to stand in what we thought were unprecedented lines. And the park officials weren't doing anything to try and get it under control. It was kind of sad to have those fun Disney memories from your youth being replaced with this. Right. And I think it was worse for you because you were limping around the park with a giant Costco-sized container of ibuprofen clanging around in your backpack. <laughs> it was a lot easier for me to just be like, whatever, I'll stand in this stupid line. We're here, aren't we? I was limping and clanging around. <laughs> You're right. I was. Um, I should have gotten a wheelchair, but, uh, you know, I, I think I was a little bit more sensitive to the crowds because it just meant rising pain levels. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So about halfway through the day, your cousin swoops in and saves the day. Yes. So I should add that my cousin and her family were at the park at the same time as us. She had this cool, like, magic morning pass. And so... She was enjoying that while we were sweating and starfishing on the Ferris wheel. And we planned to meet her later that day with her kids right. and her husband. So, And I'm currently standing in this crazy long line for, you know, the Radiator Springs Racers ride. And I think you had taken Oliver back to the room uh, for a nap. And an ice cocoon for my knee. Right. Mm -hmm. And so your cousin... Clanged back to the... Yeah. You, you knew how far away you were. Yeah, and exactly. So your cousin is at like the front prospector. of the line waving me down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anyways. My cousin was cousin, waving you your down. Your cousin waves me down. Right. So we're at Radio Springs. She waves me down with her kids and somehow manages to get me and Charlie on the ride without waiting the final 20 minutes. And it was in this moment that we realized that our reactionary Disneyland itinerary was obsolete and we needed to become hustlers when it came to hacking the lines. Right. It had looked like your cousin was playing a game of Uno with the ride attendant. So like fast pass, fast pass, rider swap, fast pass, reverse skip. Wild card, boom, here, front of the line. So Bam. Scott texts me from the park and says, hey, your cousin is here. And she rescued us from the line. So. so once we met up with your cousin, it got a lot better. Totally. Because at this point, she was basically Willy Wonka with her like world of pure imagination of like, what ride do you want? We've been here for three days. My kids don't care what we do. Right. And also the champion Uno player when it comes to line <laughs> hacking passes. Seriously. It was amazing <laughs> to watch. Um, so what remained of that day was saved. But but it was a rude awakening of how much things had changed in the land of Disney. Mm -hmm. And we decided the kids needed a do-over once we saw how good it could be. Yeah, but not before we went to Europe and moved across the country. Yep. 
kind of got to get those in there. Yeah. So yeah. we 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 have ourselves a generous year and three months before we go back again. Yeah. And that trip was enough of a success that we went another year and two months after that. Yep. We went again. So. And so from those trips, we've learned a few strategies when it came to how to manage crowds and making sure everyone gets to experience their ride, quote unquote, wish list. Yeah. So one of the biggest shifts I've noticed is how Disney used to put the burden of having a magical day on themselves. And these days it really puts it on you and your wallet to have an experience similar to what you might remember from your childhood. Uh, it has changed for sure. Mm-hmm. I think if we had lived further away and this trip was like a really big huge thing that we had saved and prepared for and flown six hours with two connecting flights to get there and you had to <laughs> you know you got there and then you stood in this three-hour line with no recourse because the fast passes were tapped out yep we would be pretty put out with the situation yeah like that's putting it mildly <laughs> so <laughs> it was easy enough for us to try again because we live on the west coast and we have family who lives in california so it's not like we're dropping six grand for a trip to disneyland but for people who are going and expecting the disney experience of their youth and you end up with this pay to play or be ready to stand in lines i can i tell you how not happy that would make me right so here's your psa people Disney is moving further and further away from paper fast passes and everything is being managed digitally on your smartphone. What's it called? I always get them confused. It's called Max Pass. Max Pass. And it's an extra Max feature Pass. or privilege, I guess you could say. Privilege. That's a good buy. one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does cost money. On top of your regular ticket that gives you first dibs on fast passes well, from your smartphone. I'm assuming we all know what fast passes are. They are a ticket that the Disney park will issue you to come to a specific ride at a designated time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it's good crowd management. Um, and then you go through a special turnstile, which is significantly shorter than the standby lane. Um, and so you used to go up to the ride and they had these little ATM machines and then you would scan your ticket and then it spit out a fast pass. Right. And then you use that to get into the ride. Right. At your like agreed upon time. Mm hmm. So it's a great idea, and we have really benefited from it in the past. But nowadays, the fast passes are tapping out faster than people can get to them. Just with the sheer volume of park visitors mm -hmm. that Disney is now offering a digital fast pass management with the Max Pass. Max Pass, yeah. So that has been a lifesaver for us. As of right now, it costs $15 per person per day to have the max pass attached to your ticket. So for our family of four, we pay an additional $60 per day to have this thing. Mm -hmm. On top of our $180 one day per person park hopper ticket. Yeah. If any of this is confusing, just go to the Disney website. It's all there. Mm -hmm. They tell you everything you need to know. So at this point, you're flirting with $200 per person per day. However, if you buy a two-day Park Hopper. This is all mouthful. Um, you got it. <laughs> the price goes up to 310 with the Max Pass. Right. Kids get an ever so slight discount for the admission, but not for the Max Pass. That is a flat rate. So would you say it is worth it that the Max Pass is worth it? Absolutely. I mean, we won't do Disney without it. it just we just figure it into our budget. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely an adjustment to go from the spontaneous, hey, let's do Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a 15-minute wait as we walk by the mm, French Quarter. Those were the days. Yeah. Those were good days. 
but it really helped with the expectations with the kids. That's true. That is the silver lining. They do get some serious gimmies the moment they enter the park. I mean, especially with everything being engineered for kids. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that will happen. So we had quite a few meltdowns during that first trip. Right. But now we can tell them that it isn't part of the schedule and we'll get to their ride when the fast pass is available or yeah. current. Yeah. And I mean, we've never waited longer than 20 minutes for a ride when we've had the max pass. And so we are sure to bring that up to the kids as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is also nice that there are ways to <clears throat> digitally look at wait times. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be walking around the park checking the posted times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's in the same app, right? So not every ride has a fast pass available. And that is mostly, you know, fast passes are mostly for super popular rides. But we use the a different app called RideMax to help us stagger rides based on wait time kind of optimization. And fast pass or max pass windows yes yeah, so that has changed the disney experience for the better having all of that stuff available digitally mm-hmm. rather than going like oh we're going to go to tomorrowland and check the wait time for that oh and then we're going to go all the way over here to Fantasyland and check the wait time for this you know so it is nice you can just stand there and kind of plan everything out in one spot so um you know when we had the ride max and the max pass yep there it is uh you know we were able to say like to ourselves corporately Okay, so we have a fast pass for Radiator Springs Racers at 1230 and Soaring Over California at, I guess it's, is it something different now? Soaring Over the World now? The World. Okay, so Soaring Over the World at 115. Uh, look, according to Ride Max, Mater Butts is a 15 minute wait. So <laughs> let's go do that, grab a snack, hit Mater Butts, and then our pass should be valid by the time we walk over to Soaring. Right. So we get to do all the rides we want. Just more planned out than it used to be. Yeah. So I think the saying is you see the crowds, but you don't feel the crowds. Yep. And I can verify that this is true. Yeah. We haven't been to the park since Star Wars Land opened. Galaxy's Edge. uh, Okay. Star Wars Land is okay. That works. Yeah. I'm a mater butts. I don't know. I don't. (laughs) What? I'm not going to call it by its name. To see Disneyland through your eyes. Exactly. (laughs) But apparently the Fast Pass and Max Pass is not valid there. It is so popular still. Yeah. So if you are going for that reason to go and see Star Wars Land. Prepare yourself to stand in a massive line or don't even go at all. Prepare thyself. So Mm -hmm. along the lines of crowd management in Disneyland, one of my fellow family travel Instagram accounts that's pretty sweet. Just wrote a blog post about this happiness that you can buy at Disneyland called a VIP tour. <gasps> this sounds expensive. Oh, it is. But hear me out. So according to Missy's blog post for roughly $3,000 on top of your ticket price, you and a group of nine other people get a private guide to take you through Disneyland and skip the lines for 30 plus rides and your little... I don't know what you want to call them. Your little servant will fetch you (laughs) drinks and make you dinner reservations. But really, the line thing is what appealed to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not that. that. Actually, you know, if you get a group of people to split that daily cost with you, it could be manageable. Right? Yeah. Like, think about it. So let's think of this in terms we understand. So buying a regular Disneyland ticket is like buying a plane ticket in economy class. Right. Right. Like you're going, you're going to be there. Max passes is like <clears throat> economy plus. It's a little bit nicer, but you still might get blood clots. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> or true. you can buy this VIP tour to fly first class. 
And if you save up enough points or get some willing friends or family to join you, the financial sting could be managed. So this sounds pretty cool. I thought so, too. You can check out Missy's full post over at prettysweet.com for her experience and details. It's definitely worth checking out. Right. That's great. So once we got the crowd management under control, we had a few other things to take care of, like food and lodging. And I'm happy to say that Disneyland has upped its game when it comes to food. It really isn't sad amusement park food. Right. It's pretty good, but it's still expensive. Yeah. We usually bring a whole mess of trail mix and our camelback backpacks when we go. Mm-hmm. I mean, prepare for this just like you would any long day of hiking. And didn't you bring PB&J one time? Oh, yes. That was supposed to be my ultimate Disney hack. But then we got rained on and then they were all waterlogged. So, boo, <laughs> we had to buy food that day. That sounds delicious. So delicious. <laughs> oh, man. Waterlogged PB&J. So didn't we see someone who had an entire little Caesars pizza box jammed in the little basket under their stroller? Yes. <laughs> yes. That person knew what was up. I actually was looking for them, like kind of like, where are they? I want to go shake their hand and be like, I salute you. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but the only reason why we couldn't do that is because we would need like four pizza boxes right. with as much as the kids so eat. So they just stopped pie and picked up some hot and ready's on the they way to They did. It was such a good idea. Five dollars. Done. Five dollars. <laughs> you're done. Even if that was like five dollars per kid, like if I got each kid their own pizza, it would be five dollars for the day. It'd feed them for the day. It'd be amazing. So you can Go pick up some pizzas and bring some Ziploc bags. Bam. Hacked. Oh, hacked. There Done. it is, guys. Boom. There it is. So. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but I thought it was pretty awesome. you got to store this stuff somewhere. So, so strollers, we always bring one. Or rent one. Yeah. Yes. And I know our kids are too old to have it, but that is a lot of standing and walking for everyone. And it is nice to give them the option of resting. Right. You'll stave off meltdowns by having them just take a little rest from time to time. Yeah. People can look at us weird. I don't care. Um, Also, the stroller doubles as mission control. So you can Mm -hmm. load it up with spare clothes, hand sanitizer and food without having to like always carry it around and then like take it off your back and put it between your legs Mm -hmm. when you're on the Matterhorn. Like and they do a pretty good job of providing space for stroller parking and that kind of thing. So they they know that strollers are a thing. It's very kid friendly. And in fact, you're almost a weirdo to not have a stroller at Disneyland. Right. Who are you? You don't have a stroller? (laughs) You don't have a stroller. So. So there aren't really any food hacks at Disneyland, though. Beyond bringing hot and ready's in a Ziploc. Right. There Um, you go. But yeah. that's not that is not specific to Disneyland. That's bringing food into that's, Disneyland. Yeah, that's bringing food. So, in. but we we try to eat a big breakfast, so you don't feel too hungry too soon, you know. But we we also pack a lot of snacks, so we're only doing either a late lunch that will count as lunch and dinner, hopefully. Hopefully, Ugh, it doesn't always work. But I wrote a whole blog post about what we spent at Disneyland. If anyone wants to look at some hard numbers, mm-hmm. I include our food budget as well. So. You guys know where to go and find it under the Disneyland tag, I think. I'm a really, yep. I'm a really committed blogger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, And didn't you also give the kids um, a, a budget of spending money on uh, souvenirs? Yes. So I actually learned this from a fellow mom who is staying at the same hotel as us on that mm. fateful 88% terrible first trip. Um, and I was, you know, just kind of hanging out at the pool and I was just lamenting the gimmies that the kids get when it comes to the Mickey ear shaped balloons and food. And of course, all the toys that are floating around right at eye level. Right. And didn't she say she gave her kids $50 to spend on whatever they wanted? 
And mm-hmm. when it was gone, it was gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And while I wasn't going to give my three-year-old $50 to spend with reckless abandon, we did give our kids $20 each. And we told them that they were free to buy popsicles, flashlights, whatever Mickey-themed junk they wanted. But when the money was gone, mm-hmm. it was gone. Yeah. And Charlie called it beautiful junk. It was really cute. <laughs> um, and it was a great boundary to be like, I'm not going to fight with you about whether or not that bubble blower is a good use of money. Like, yeah. if you want it, you it's your $20. But really, being at Disneyland is not about good uses of money. Exactly. So um, it's not. So accept that and put the kids in charge of a capped amount of pocket money. And that was one of the best decisions we ever made. Yep. They like being in control. And then we don't have to try and keep track of how much we spent on useless junk. Yeah, we spent $40 for two kids over two days. And we did not have to talk to them about what they could or could not have. I will call that a win. For sure. It's a downright bargain by Disney standards. Yeah. And going back to the idea that now Disney doesn't really take care of you and you have to take care of yourself, you really do need to be proactive about making sure everyone gets plenty of water and rest when you're at the parks. Yep. The pressure of go, go, go really catches up to you after a while. And the kids are not immune from that at all. Hand, foot and mouth, pink eye, influenza. These are all possibilities at Disneyland. So load up on the hand sanitizer and may the odds be ever in your favor. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, we're speaking from experience there. Yeah. Just a a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But really, take breaks, rest. Bringing our own food was really helpful because we could talk ourselves out of buying the expensive food in the park. And then we would all have blood sugar crash at 315. Yeah. So we can we can kind of maintain our our blood sugars when we bring our own our Mm -hmm. own stuff, because when you wouldn't, you're like, "Ah, I'm not going to eat that. It's expensive. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, now we're all miserable. (laughs) So should have got that muffin anyway. um, And plus, sometimes the park runs out of food and then you're really hosed. Oh, man. Yeah. Remember when Oliver and Charlie ate cheese dusted popcorn for dinner? That was horrible. Yummy. We went to every stand, restaurant, store, and they were out of food. I don't know what was going on. One mom behind me was really fr- uh, like frustrated and upset. And I overheard her talking to her kids saying things like, we have to find food. They don't have food. We need food. Yeah. So. And we managed to find cheese dusted popcorn, the mm-hmm. only thing around. And then, you know, we walked uphill both ways in the rain to get there. Yeah. Thanks, Disney. <laughs> we just bring our own food now. So and thankfully, thankfully, they don't restrict that like at movie theaters. Right. Right. Exactly. So we, we typically try to stay at Airbnbs so we can prepare a lot of our own food and bring it with us. Yeah. And we have stayed at hotels before. And while some are definitely better than others, we like having our own laundry facilities and our own rooms. So it's worth it to take the Uber ride to and from the park. Yep. Especially if you're doing multiple days at the park or parks people need their own bathroom and a place to decompress at the end of the day yeah and that folks is how we survive the happiest place on earth max pass scheduling get a stroller unless you have teenagers maybe still get a stroller or you know i won't judge you depends on how they act i guess sure bring some trail mix and all the water you can yeah have a set spending limit with your kids about what kind of beautiful junk they want to buy and just prepare for the fact that Disneyland is just straight up expensive. But with a little planning and strategizing, it can still be a very fun day. So thanks so much for listening. Please click download, review, like, and subscribe. Do all the things that tells the internet you like our stuff.
And tune in next time for our 10th episode in which we talk about money and how we budget and afford our travels. Cash money millionaires. (laughs) (laughs) And if you aren't familiar with that Doc Vader quote, we are sorry if that joke is lost on you. Yeah, and we're going to give some hard numbers about previous trips we have taken and how we budget. And we promise to not make it boring or smug. So in the meantime, go Google Doc Vader because we are probably going to quote that again and again. And we prefer our listeners to get the reference. Yeah, we really you're, you're going to like that a lot more if you, <laughs> if you kind of know where we're coming from there. Anyway, be sure to check out our website, clusterfusstravel.com, where you will find our blog, merch and social media outlets. And I'll leave you with this. Even though the Disney parks want to go ahead with that fireworks show in spite of the inclement weather, whenever they hear us say it, this is the Clustercast, a filterless podcast on family travel. We'll see you next time. So long. Bye.